preparing every week and leading us in song and worship of our Lord and Savior, Jesus Christ. Are you thankful to be here this morning? As we continue to work through our, our covenant membership series, I think that's the word Dave was maybe looking for was covenant. Man, yeah. What's that? A little late. Yeah, sorry about that. A little late. Um, you know, it's, it's one of those things that, man, we talk about something so often that it can be uh, somewhat taken for granted. And so, again, as we, as we entered into this new season of ministry and a building and uh, have opportunity to have a new context, a new neighborhood, new uh, neighbors coming to visit, and we're, we're excited to have many of them here even this morning, uh, it's one of those things that we just want to be clear uh, by God's grace on what it looks like to be a follower of Christ in the context of a biblical New Testament church. And so, again, our prayer and our hope is that it's, it's not one ear out the other. Hey, I've heard this before. We've, we've read and recited this, this church covenant uh, a million times over. But our, our prayer is that the familiarity of it would breed something in us that we would appreciate and love and grow to live out these concepts that we have pulled out from Scripture and we have compiled together in what we have called a church covenant. And when we gather as a church and when we commit to do life together, it's in the context of this commitment that we call a covenant. And so the title of this morning's message as we continue to work our way through that covenant, last, the last two weeks we have covered this phrase that we recognize Christian liberty. And we, we dove into that in, in detail over the last couple of weeks, and we're moving on to a new phrase where we are going to be discovering this phrase, reconciling differences. The two are very much closely tied together, and uh, reconciling differences is one of those things that you can probably think back on your time in the church. You can think back on an experience, a relationship, a situation uh, a rift that, that rose up in the church, and you can probably think of a lot of different situations where, recon, where differences, excuse me, inside the church were not reconciled well to the glory of God. Those differences were left unchecked. Those differences um, continued to uh, foster a spirit of disunity, bitterness, anger, Resentment rose up, and then we have these ugly stains on the church that often we have called the dreaded church split, right? We've seen it. We've heard it. We've maybe even experienced it ourselves in previous church experiences. It's hurtful. It causes harm to our own individual walk with the Lord. Our faith is, is shaken. The testimony of the church at large in the community that that church is president in, there, there's a stain, there's a blot, there's a black eye that comes as a result of brothers and sisters in Christ, followers of Jesus, unable to reconcile differences. So this phrase, although just two words, is mission critical to our gospel witness. It's mission critical to our relationship within the body of Christ. And I hope and I pray this morning that we will consider what God has for us from the word of God 
as we consider reconciling with a purpose. Would you join me in prayer as we just ask the Lord to bless our time in the word? Father, we just come to you right now. And we just want to acknowledge our need for you. As we testified in song, Lord, I need you. We pray that you would be glorified. Christ would be magnified as we have just worshiped together in song. I pray that you would use your word to do a work that I cannot do. I pray that the Holy Spirit right now would begin to till up the soil of our heart. That whether it's unconfessed sin or whether it's a season of, of drought in, in, in our walk with you, I pray that this morning we would remember that there are no coincidences in your kingdom. Every single person that is under the sound of your word this morning is here by your design and for your purpose. I pray as such that we would be mindful of that. We would be attentive, that we would seek to listen hear and respond to what you would have for us. Father, I pray that as a result, our church would be clear on your heart for the church. I pray that if there's an individual or a couple or a family or whatever it might be that, that, that potentially has active differences that others may not even know about in our church, conflict, Tension, disunity that has potentially been swept under the rug and ignored for a season or a time. I pray that we, by your grace and for your glory, would be willing to reconcile those differences this morning. Maybe there's a difference even outside of our church. Maybe it's uh, the workplace. Maybe it's... uh, a friend or a family member that we, after this service, we need to do business. We need to pick up the phone, have a conversation, grab a cup of coffee, and we need to proactively pursue reconciliation. Father, I pray this morning that our minds and our hearts would be stretched, that our understanding of your reconciliation towards us in Christ that, that that would be deepened, that we would understand in a new and fresh way, oh, the beauty of the gospel in Christ Jesus and what its implication on our life is. We pray these things in your name. Amen. Are you familiar with the phrase, walking with a purpose? Right? How many of you are people watchers? You just like to kind of observe yeah, a few of you out there. I think we all, to some way, shape, or form, it's just kind of interesting to just watch people, isn't it? Uh, human behavior is always a bit uh, funny, hilarious at some times, right? We have the idiosyncrasies of our life and the things that we do that we don't even realize it, and then somebody points it out, and you're like, oh, yeah, that is kind of weird, isn't it? I didn't know I, I did that thing, or I didn't know I, I said that phrase, uh, 
My, my fellow elders, uh, Pastor Andy and Pastor Dave, we always give each other a little bit of a hard time about different idiosyncrasies that we have in the pulpit. And I'm sure many of you have picked up some from me and, and you could join in in their enjoyment of pointing out some of those idiosyncrasies. But one of the ones that I enjoy often is just seeing people walk with the purpose. Um, Maybe you have one of those individuals in your family. Uh, I tend to be one of them, to be honest with you. Uh, this particular situation played out recently in my own family. We, as I've said before, we're going through some uh, remodeling and construction activities at my home. And so I am visiting uh, Lowe's often. Um, if you've seen Lowe's stock prices go up here recently, I'm, I'm single-handedly probably the result of that, right? I mean, I'm probably taking three, four, or five trips a day to Lowe's, looking at this, getting that, buying that, purchasing whatever. And, and so we had to load up the family. It was one of those things where we got to go and we got to do it now. We've got other things on the schedule, but we got to get this thing. I can't even remember what it was. And so, you know, we, we get everybody out of the van, and it's the trail of the four kids behind, and, you know, I'm leading the way, of course, and I get into to Lowe's, and if you've been to, to Lowe's and Liberty, you'll notice that at the, at the front of Lowe's, they have um, a, a new, I'm, I'm, I'm assuming it's a vendor, external vendor, that is soliciting you for a free quote on an HVAC system. Literally every time you go into Liberty Lowe's, you're going to be greeted by this individual. And it's such a blessing. And it always puts, puts a smile on your face. Just what you want to, just what you want to hear and see when you walk into a store. And, uh, and so I, I'm, I successfully made it past that individual. Uh, what I would say is record time. You know, I wasn't rude. I gave him the, the nod, no thank you type of thing. And, and just, I was on a mission. I was walking with the purpose. And I'm blazing a trail down the middle aisle of Lowe's, right? Here I go. And I'm at the end of the main aisle. I'm about to take a hard left to the department that we need to be at. And of course, as a good father I am, I look back to do kind of a well check on the family. And I realize no one's behind me at all. I mean, I'm looking around like, where in the world did everybody go? And so I'm walking with the purpose. I'm blazing the trail. I finally get my head up and realize, oh yeah, I have my family and, and no one's there. And, and I look a little bit closer at the front and I see the kids took a detour over to the left. And of course they had to demo all of the new patio furniture that is apparently coming out for the, for the spring. Like, you know, we don't need patio furniture. I'm not sure why we're on the patio furniture, but there my kids are, you know, and, and, and I'm walking on a mission. I, I don't know. If you've ever had a, maybe a mom, my mom was that way growing up as a little kid. I can remember literally, I'm in a full sprint in the grocery store with my little legs trying to keep up with my mom as she's blazing a trail through the grocery store. My all-time favorite, though, is people watching in the airport, uh, of those that are walking with a purpose as they frantically, not just walk, but sprint and run right to their gate trying to not miss they're playing. They're walking with a purpose. They have a destination, a goal in mind, and they're doing everything that they can do to get to that place in a timely fashion. In a similar sense, we as believers need to be reconciling with a purpose, right? There should be a sense of urgency that we have of reconciling with other brothers and sisters in Christ in the context of the local church, right? Just like you see that person walking with a mission, it's head down, they have no other goal, it's blinders on, one spot that they're going. This is how we should be when we know there are differences 
in the body of Christ, in relationships that we have in the church, there should be one thing that we have on our mind, and it is reconciliation. No delay, no hesitation, no sweeping under the rug, no putting our ears, uh, excuse me, our fingers in our ear and denying or ignoring the situation. We have to pursue reconciliation. Why? Because there's much at stake. There's much at stake when we consider all that the Lord has for us in reconciliation. This brings us to the title, excuse me, the big idea of our message this morning, and it's this, because Christ has reconciled us back to God, the church should champion the message of reconciliation, both internally among covenant members and externally to a lost world. I'm going to say that one more time. If you're taking notes, I'll give you a, a second to jot that down. The big idea is because Christ has reconciled us back to God. The church should champion the message of reconciliation, both internally among covenant members and externally to a lost world. So this morning, we're going to examine just four simple but yet uh, what I will describe as profoundly impactful aspects of reconciling differences. The first is this. Reconciling differences necessitates a commitment to truth. Reconciling differences necessitates a commitment to truth. So before we dive into this commitment to truth, let's lay some, some quick groundwork on what exactly reconciliation is. That's not really a word that we use in our everyday English in a conversation with uh, your spouse or in your home. You're probably not talking about reconciling. Uh, so what is what is reconciliation? We're talking about, in the most basic form, we're talking about making things right with another individual. The most basic understanding of the word reconciliation is you are making something right with the assumption that something is wrong, right? You're making something right with another individual, so I want you to just think about your, your life and just take a quick inventory of the relationships that you have in your life. Family, coworkers, inside the home, outside the home. What's the state of those relationships? And could you say, by God's grace and for his glory, that you are reconciled in all ways, in all relationships? That's a tough one, isn't it? Relationships with others this side of eternity are quite complicated. They get a little messy, right? Why is that? Well, it's because of, of sin, right? Going all the way back to Adam and Eve, we can blame it on them, right? They disobeyed God's commandments, and thus sin entered into the world. Not only did Adam and Eve choose sin, but I can't technically blame it on them. Why? Because all of us have chosen sin and rebelled against God's plan and purposes for our life. We have chosen sin, and thus that relationship with God has been broken. What God designed for in the Garden of Eden, Adam and Eve walking and talking and living in perfect harmony and fellowship with God, that was broken when they chose their own way. 
when they chose their own wisdom over that of God's sovereign wisdom, that relationship was broken. And thus, from that point on, mankind, past, present, and future, will all need to be reconciled back to God. So what is reconciliation? It's about making things right with another individual. The New Testament Greek word and it's, that's most often used to describe this concept of reconciliation, katalae, it carries with it the idea of a reestablishment of an interrupted or broken relationship. Other nuances of this word point to the aspect of restoration of a friendly relationship and peace where before there had been hostility and conflict and tension. So reconciliation is about the removal of hostility and the introduction of what? Peace. This is what we have in mind in our church covenant when we say these two words, reconciling differences, reestablishment of an interrupted or broken relationship. Have you ever heard of that type of concept? Have you ever felt that hostility in a relationship before? There's a difference with somebody else in your life and you understand that there is a lack of peace right now. Whether you're getting the cold shoulder, whether there's words of anger, whether they don't talk to you, whatever the situation might be, there is a difference. There's tension. There's an active conflict. And as such, there is an interruption or a brokenness that's introduced in that relationship. Have you been on the receiving end of that? Have you been on the giving end of that? Certainly we all have been in one way or another. God desires for us to understand reconciliation from a biblical perspective. Broken relationships, hostility, being uh, considered almost alienated from a certain group or family. God's heart for his church in understanding reconciliation is that we pursue a more excellent way he desires more for us than vengeful thoughts. He desires more for his people, for his Christ followers. He desires more for them than the vindictive ways of our flesh and getting back at somebody for a wrong that they may have done to us. He desires us to experience reconciliation and he desires for us to offer Reconciliation. The heart of reconciling differences is the pursuit of unity. Biblical unity is the product of reconciling differences. Turn with me to the Gospel of John, chapter number 8. John, chapter number 8. Jesus reminds us of the importance of truth in the process of reconciliation. Remember our first point this morning is that reconciling differences necessitates a commitment to truth. So verse 31 of John chapter number eight, Jesus says this to the Jews who had believed him. If you abide in my word, you are truly my disciples and you will know the truth and the truth will set you free. They answered him, 
We are offspring of Abraham and have never been enslaved to anyone. How is it that you say you will become free? Jesus answered them, truly, truly, I say to you, everyone who practices sin is a slave to sin. The slave does not remain in the house forever. The son remains forever. So if the son sets you free, you will be free indeed. Why do we need reconciliation in our lives? Why do we need reconciliation for our souls? Why do we need reconciliation in our relationships? Because sin enslaves us all. And by God's grace, and only by God's grace, is that enslavement to sin broken? Are we free from this enslavement of sin? What sets us free? What gives us a foundation or an opportunity to pursue restoration? What gives us an opportunity to reestablish a relationship that was based on hostility that, that can now experience peace? It is truth. Biblical reconciliation necessitates a commitment to truth. necessitates a commitment to truth because in the midst of a difference, a disagreement, a conflict, truth can sometimes become fuzzy. Do you agree with that? Truth in the day we live in is not as clear as it should. Truth has been described as what? Relative. Truth is whatever truth is to you. It's my own definition under my own authority, my own wisdom, my own understanding, my own way. I I can establish that as truth. And your truth is good for you, but it may not be good for me. Friends, this error of our day, this error in thinking needs to be recalibrated to the truth that is absolute, that is the word of God. And so the reality that reconciliation necessitates a commitment to truth, we have to understand what is truth. Because it can, in the midst of a conflict, a difference, in the midst of tension in a broken relationship, truth can sometimes be in the eye of the beholder, in your experience or in your perspective. And so in the midst of a difference, we have to get away from our way, our experience, or our preference, or our perspective, and we have to go to the source of truth, and we have to let it speak into our lives, and so this foundation of truth is so very important, friends, as we consider understanding reconciliation, pursuing recon- reconciliation, and experiencing true, lasting, biblical restoration. Why does truth become fuzzy sometimes? As we've stated before, this side of eternity, we're still bound by flesh, right? Paul talks about that struggle in in Romans and throughout the New Testament. He said, even when he attempts to do good by God's grace, he finds a law that evil follows close behind. There's a thief John 10 reminds us that has come to steal, kill, and destroy. There is an adversary this side of eternity. This is the devil. This is our flesh. This is this worldly philosophy that, you know, hey, you know what? If you've been wrong, 
Give it right back. You know what? Your, your rights, your perspective, you deserve that. You protect those above all else. This is the thinking of the world. Christ redefined the law when he said, hey, you know what? If you're struck on the cheek, you don't strike back. What do you do? You turn the other cheek. Someone asks you to go a mile, what do you do? You go the extra mile. This is Christ redefining the law. This is how he lived out his life in responding to uh, tribulation and trials and difficulty, tension, conflict in his earthly ministry. His foundation was always truth. I don't know about you, but I kind of enjoy being right. Any of you like to be right? It's kind of inherent in our human nature, isn't it? I don't know. Pastor Dave's looking down the aisle there. I'm not sure who he was looking at, Sarah, but, you know, you know whatever. We've got a marriage uh, conference coming up in, in a few weeks. So, uh, you know, if you get in trouble here, or you get any elbows poking in the rib, right? Hey, I like to be right. That is not right. I like to have my voice heard, my perspective pursued. I like to see my plan implemented in life. Anybody else? Reconciliation is willing to lay that down and to pursue truth. You know, just like the Jews in John chapter number eight here that were following Jesus, they didn't realize that they were slaves to sin, did they? In fact, they were kind of puffed up. Hey, you know, Jesus, just in case you didn't know, we're the offspring of Abraham. We've never been enslaved to anybody. There's a, there's a blindness, there's a, a fuzziness to the reality of life. Truth was not known to them. This is why Christ had to recalibrate their minds and the reality is, hey, you know what? You're not a big deal. You're not the source of truth. In fact, you're enslaved to sin. And the only way to be free is to let the truth abide in your life so that it can set you free. And so, friends, as we understand biblical reconciliation, there has to be a foundation in understanding that reconciliation necessitates a commitment to truth. I promise I, I won't stay here long because I know we've re revisited this passage here recently, but John chapter number 17, this high priestly prayer of Christ, it popped into my mind. I couldn't get away from it again. So I, I want to remind us again of the role of truth. Verse number 14 of John chapter number 17, Christ says, back to the father, he's praying. He says, I have given them your word. And the world has hated them. Why? Because they are not of this world. Just as I am not of this world. Verse 15, I do not ask, ask that you take them out of the world, but that you keep them from the evil one. All right, this is what we just talked about. And, uh, that, that thief that has come to steal, kill, and destroy. That law of our flesh, that evil fall is close behind that you keep them from the evil one. Verse 16, they are not of the world, just as I am not of the world. Verse 17, sanctify them in the truth. Here it is, your word is truth. 
Verse 18, as you sent me into the world, so I have sent them into the world. And for their sake, I consecrate myself that they may also be sanctified in truth. Friends, the word of God is the only source of truth. Christ Jesus testified that he had given us and them, his disciples, the word of God. John 1 tells us that the word became flesh. This is Christ Jesus, his life, his ministry. When he gave them the great commission before he ascended into heaven, he said, go and make disciples and baptize them in the name of the Father, the Son, and the Holy Spirit. And do what? Teach them all that I have commanded you. This is the truth of the word of God. This is the life giving, inspired, and errant word of God that gives us, by his grace, the opportunity to understand and know and experience reconciliation in our life, our relationship with God, and our relationship with others. The word of God is the only source of truth, and it's only the word of God that is able to reconcile differences. So friends, one of the best things that we can do in the midst of a difference or a conflict is to sit down with that individual. Pray together. Open up the word of God together and ask the question, what does God's word say about our conflict? Wow. Oh, that we would see that. Have you, ever, have you ever experienced that? Have you ever had somebody that you have a known and active conflict with say, hey, you know what, uh, Eric, let's, I would love some time with you so that we could just sit down, we could seek the mind of the Lord, we could pray together about this conflict, this difference that we have, and that we could just, without pretense or without prejudice or without anything, we would just look at the word of God and say, what does God's word say about our conflict? Think that would have an impact on some relationships? You think that would restore some brokenness that maybe you've held on to for days and weeks, years, maybe even decades? The truth of God's word is able to reconcile, to take out all hostility and to replace it with peace and restoration and reestablishment of fellowship. God's in the business of redeeming what we have wasted. So reconciling differences necessitates a commitment to truth. Number two, reconciling differences requires patience with others. Reconciling differences requires patience with others. At the heart of our second point is the gospel. The gospel models patience. And when you think of reconciling with another brother or sister in Christ in the context of the local church, we have to realize that relationships aren't always on my desired timeline. Right? We, they're frustrating. I'm a walk with purpose kind of guy and the other person is a stop and smell the roses kind of person, Right? And we got to figure out how to come together through the truth of the word of God 
and to pursue reconciliation for God's glory requires patience. The God of the gospel is certainly long-suffering. Are you thankful that the God of the Bible is long-suffering? Paul reminds us of this reality in Ephesians 4. We've gone there often as well in this series of covenant membership as Paul lays out this illustration of the body of Christ and how we should be fitly joined together just as a human anatomy is, is fitly joined together. Ephesians 4, 2, Paul says, I therefore, a prisoner for the Lord, urge you to walk in a manner worthy of the calling to which you have been called. How? With all humility and gentleness with patience, bearing with one another in love, eager to maintain the unity of the Spirit and the bond of peace. Why have we frequented these verses during this covenant membership series? It's because these verses are dripping with gospel truth. This paints a beautiful picture of how we are to relate with one another how we are to engage with one another, how we are to do life together with one another. When the gospel, friends, is truly in the hearts and minds of covenant members, we will experience a supernatural, grace-enabled move of patience. We will be quick to hear, slow to speak, as James reminded us, a few months ago as we went through that series. This humility and gentleness that is talked about in Ephesians 4 right here, it it stands ready with patience to reconcile as God moves, as the Holy Spirit stirs. As it depends on us, we're gonna live peaceably with all men, so we stand ready patiently waiting for God to work waiting for God to to turn that heart, for us to be of the same mind, of the same spirit, understanding the truth of God's word so that we can be reconciled for God's glory. So friends, we need not require payment or penance when we are wronged. We are patient and quick to pursue peace. Colossians chapter number three, turn with me there. Again, I'm keeping you on your your toes this morning with the sword drill type of of message. I'm having us look at a lot of scripture. Colossians chapter number three, verse number 12. Earlier in this passage, Paul makes this statement, if you then be risen with Christ, seek the things that are above, right? So this is Colossians chapter number three. What does it look like to be an above-minded Christian to think about and to pursue the mind of God? Verse 12, he defines some of it. Put on then as God's chosen ones, holy and beloved, compassionate hearts, kindness, humility, meekness, and patience. Here it is again, bearing with one another. Now he gets specific. He talks about some differences 
that may be present at the church at Colossae. Bearing with one another, Paul says, and if one has a complaint against another, forgiving each other, as the Lord has forgiven you, so you also must forgive. This is the gospel, and above all these put on love, Paul says, which binds everything together in perfect harmony. And let the peace of Christ rule in your hearts, to which Indeed, you were called in one body and be thankful. There's a complaint. Forgive. How? Just as the Lord has forgiven you, you must also forgive. Love. It binds everything together in perfect harmony, no longer disunity, but everybody is in harmony and the peace of Christ. That's the result of reconciliation. Hostility is removed. We now have peace with Christ and others. Be thankful. The patience that was offered to us in Christ Jesus is the patience we offer to those we may be in conflict with. Do you see the simplicity of this? Do you see how our flesh does emotional and relational gymnastics to complicate relationships? Paul says if there's a complaint and you know about it, just forgive, right? Just just deal with it. Just pursue each other with the mind of Christ. Friends, no exegesis is required. No interpretation is needed. No delay is warranted. If there's a complaint against you or you have a complaint against another brother or sister in Christ, simply do what? Paul says, forgive. How? Forgive as you have been forgiven. Reconciliation necessitates a commitment to truth. Reconciliation requires patience with others. And thirdly, reconciling differences demands honesty with yourself. Reconciling differences demands honesty with Yourself. Now, this is where maybe it gets a little bit more real in regards to this phrase of reconciling differences. Because is it not easy to point out the error in somebody else? Is it not easy, right, as God's word talks about pointing out the, 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 the speck in someone else's eye when we've got a big old log sticking out of eyes. We have a tendency to minimize and justify our own issues and be quick to point them out in others. So if we are going to live in this ministry of reconciliation, if we are going to receive reconciliation and offer reconciliation, it demands honesty with ourselves. At the end of the day, my dad always told me it takes two to tango. 
I don't care how egregious the wrong may be, we always in some way, shape, or form can own some part of the conflict. So let us be quick to own whatever part it may be, whether big or small, we are honest with ourselves about the state of that relationship, whether it be with God or whether it be with someone else. Of course, we have our own perspective and our own experience. We've talked about that. We have our understanding of the series of events that, that transpired, that, that brought this relationship to where it's at. But if we're not careful, we can slip into a very dangerous place. And the destination of somebody who is not willing to be honest with ourselves about that conflict or that difference or that issue We can become proud, arrogant, bitter, distant to others in the church. Turn over to to Philippians chapter number four. Paul, in his final chapter to the church at Philippi, Philippians four, two through three, Paul calls out two women in the church that had a conflict. Philippians chapter number four, verses two through three Paul says, I entreat Euodia and I entreat Syntyche to agree in the Lord. Yes, Paul says, I ask you also, true companion, help these women who have labored side by side with me in the gospel together with Clement and the rest of my fellow workers whose names are in the book of life. And I find these couple verses here, just extremely intriguing. They're puzzling. They're sobering verses. Why? One, because clearly Yodia and Syntyche have an infer- uh, a difference. They have some type of issue or, or conflict in their relationship. And this conflict was so widely known that Paul deemed it necessary to address it in his writing to the church at Philippi. So you've got a letter that, that Paul is, is writing, and likely Epaphrodites is sent down to deliver this, this letter. And he's in his, his final chapter, his final comments, and before he closes everything down, he deems it necessary that he... Before, we, before I close this letter, we've got to deal with this conflict between these two women in the church. Wow. I mean, when you think about it, I mean, this is the only time they're mentioned in Scripture, right? <laughs> and, and the only time they're mentioned in Scripture is in light of a conflict that these two have together. However, Paul is not looking to badmouth or, or smear this conflict He's mindful of the relationship that Paul has with these two women and that likely these two women had with each other. How did he describe them? They have labored side by side with me in the gospel together with Clement and the rest of my fellow workers whose names are in the book of life. These women were not known to be backbiters or um, just stirring up issues in church. They were faithful 
women in the church who, who had faithfully served alongside, labored with Paul in his ministry. Friends, let me be clear. Conflict and differences is no respecter of persons. As elders and deacons, leaders in the church, we're not exempt from getting sideways with one person or another. Because if you haven't forgotten, we're sinners too, right? This isn't just about those that you know, aren't mature in their walk with the Lord. No, this is everybody is going to struggle with and be confronted with the challenge of conflict at some time in their walk with the Lord. The devil, Satan, that adversary is, is going to seek to try uh, to stir up something in our life and we have to be aware of it and we have to be quick to pursue reconciliation. So just as Paul called out these two women that had been faithful, had labored side by side with him in the gospel work, they have gotten sideways with one another. And Paul knew that if that conflict were to go unchecked, that it could cause great harm in the body of Christ and it could be a detractor to the gospel that they had been so faithfully laboring to proclaim in their context and in their communities. So this is what recorded. This is what is recorded, excuse me, by Paul, urging these women to do what? To agree in the Lord. To agree in the Lord. This is the end goal of reconciliation for us to agree, not in my perspective, not in my understanding, not to say, ha, I was right, or I told you so, but we are to agree in the Lord. Truth. We're to agree in the truth of God's word. And that requires us being honest with ourselves about what we own in the conflict. It's likely that for whatever reason that these two women were not being honest about their individual ownership in that personal conflict. And so what happened? It lingered on. And it lingered on, and it became more visible, and word began to spread, so much so that Paul knew, and he included it in his letter. And he entreated not only Yodia and Syntyche, but that Epaphrodites would come alongside and help them, resolving this conflict. Maybe you need help in resolving a conflict. There's no shame in that. Like I said before, everybody, not a matter of if, but when, we have some type of personal conflict in our life. Maybe you feel uncomfortable in the situation. You're not sure how to navigate the uncertainty of this, this tension and conflict that you didn't look for, but here it is. It's on your doorstep, knocking at the door, and you've gotten sideways with somebody. Maybe you need help walking through that. There's nothing wrong with that. Sometimes mediation with the trusted mutual friend, a fellow covenant member, even the elders coming alongside the situation, sometimes that's needed to help foster a spirit of open and honest dialogue. Sometimes we just need help in exposing the reality of the situation. 
helping us come to a state of true honesty in that particular dynamic. Fourth and final aspect of reconciling differences is this. Reconciling differences promotes the advancement of the gospel. Reconciling differences promotes the advancement of the gospel. Uh, We read a portion of 2 Corinthians 5. Go ahead and turn over there with me. 2 Corinthians chapter number 5. We read this during our scripture reading this morning. And in light of the observance of the Lord's table this morning, this is just an opportunity for us to share in an incredible time of communion. I pray that God would work in your hearts and your minds as we remember the Lord in communion in just a few short moments. And with that time, just following our message this morning, I I just can't think of any more appropriate way to summarize the opportunity of reconciling differences than us running to this passage in 2 Corinthians chapter number 5 and just lingering a bit in this gospel message. So Paul, 2 Corinthians chapter number 5, we're just going to read verses 14 through 21 again and just let the word of Christ work in your heart. I'll make some quick comments and we'll wrap up uh, this morning's message. 2 Corinthians 5, verse number 14, Paul says this, For the love of Christ controls us or constrains us because we have concluded this, that one has died for all, therefore all have died, and he died for all, that those who live might no longer live for themselves, but for him who for their sake died and was raised. From now on, therefore, we regard no one according to the flesh, even though we once regarded Christ according to the flesh, we regard him thus no longer. Therefore, if anyone is in Christ, he is a new creation. The old has passed away. Behold, the new has come. All this is from God, who through Christ reconciled us to himself and gave us the ministry of reconciliation. That is, in Christ, God was reconciling the world to himself, not counting their trespasses against them, and entrusting to us the message of reconciliation. Verse 20, therefore, we are ambassadors for Christ. God, making his appeal through us, we implore you on behalf of Christ, be reconciled to God. For our sake, he made him to be sin, who knew no sin, so that in him we might become the righteousness of God. And I have to say amen to that passage. This is a beautiful description of reconciliation. Friends, this final point is simple. Reconciling differences promotes the advancement of the gospel. When we, by God's grace, pursue reconciliation with others, we proclaim the gospel to our own hearts. Where our own sin and our own blindness and our own way slips in, when we pursue by his grace reconciliation, the gospel message of what Christ has done for us on our behalf 
through his death, through his sacrifice, through his resurrection, we proclaim the gospel into our own hearts. This is so important. Not only do we proclaim the gospel to our own hearts, we proclaim that we believe the gospel. Reconciliation is not possible without the gospel changing a heart from darkness and ushering that soul and that human being out of darkness into light. We proclaim that the gospel is greater than my own advantage. We proclaim to those that look on from a world that looks into the church and sees the conflict and how we deal with it. We proclaim that Jesus is real when we pursue reconciliation in a way that honors and glorifies him. We proclaim that the message of the gospel is what we offer to others. Where there was once hostility, we offer peace. Where there was once anger in a relationship, we offer love. Where there was once brokenness in a relationship through Christ in a changed heart, we can offer reconciliation. Friends, Paul challenges us here and he reminds us of the importance of reconciliation in the life of a believer. If you claim Jesus Christ as your Lord and personal Savior, God has very specific and big plans for you in this world. And it's not to sit on the bench and it's not to warm a seat on a Sunday morning. It's not to come and sing a pretty song, which again, those are all great things. If you know Jesus Christ as your Lord and personal Savior, he has called us to be his ambassadors, his representatives. He has chosen in his good wisdom and his sovereign plan to make his appeal to the world through us. So how they observe us stewarding reconciliation in our relationships, inside the church, outside the church, in the marketplace, in the workplace, in our marriages, in our homes. As the world looks on and sees us stewarding these relationships well, they're going to come to one conclusion that the gospel changes hearts and lives. That's why reconciliation is important. That's why this two-word phrase in our church covenant is so meaningful, reconciling differences. It has gospel implications. It has evangelistic implications. It has eternal implications. So God has chosen us as the means by which he makes the appeal to the rest of the world. And what is that? What is that? Appeal. It is be reconciled to God. The most first and important relationship that must be reconciled is not that of a relationship on this earth. It is that between us and our God. Creator being reconciled to his creation. What sin has broken, God desires to restore through Jesus Christ. And that person is Jesus. Jesus is reconciliation. He knew no sin. 
He became sin so that we could be reconciled. This is the beauty of the gospel. Friends, would you bow your heads and close your eyes this morning as we consider reconciling with the purpose? I wonder, do you have a sense of urgency and intentionality and purpose to pursue reconciliation for the glory of God? I wonder, has God exposed a relationship? Maybe it's first your relationship with God. Maybe it's a relationship in your family. Whatever it might be, I wonder, are you living out your identity as an ambassador, a representative? He's chosen to make his appeal through us. I pray by God's grace that we would steward our relationships well and that others would see reconciliation on our lips. They would see reconciliation in our actions. They would feel reconciliation by our demeanor and body language. I pray for God's grace that our church would be known as a church that embraces reconciliation at all costs. Maybe you're here this morning and you've never been reconciled to God. You're still living in your sin. You've never accepted the free gift of salvation that is offered by God through Jesus. God's word says that if you confess with your mouth and believe in your heart that God raised him from the dead, that you will be saved. Being saved means that we're reconciled to God. What once was broken and once was lost and and distant, where there was hostility, where we were pursuing our own way and rebelling against God through Christ and accepting his sacrifice for our sin on the cross of Calvary, our relationship with God can be restored. We can be reconciled to God. God's word says that today is the day of salvation. What a joy it would be. You would come find myself, Pastor Andy, Pastor Dave, maybe another trusted friend in the service here. If you don't know the love of God in Christ Jesus, we would love to tell you more about him. Father God, I pray that as we sing and as we observe communion this morning, I pray that you would be lifted high, Christ be magnified as we consider a Savior that bled for us. I pray that we would be renewed in our relationship with him. Where there's sin, let us confess it. Where there's rifts or relationships that need to be restored, Father, I pray that we would do that work This morning, we pray these things in your precious name we pray. Amen.